is here today, they are going to be sharing with us. Um, my, they being mostly my sister Peggy is going to be sharing, and she's here with her husband Mark. And um, they're going to be sharing a little bit about what's been going on in their ministry. Um, Peggy, has, Peggy and Mark have both been at this for about 12 years now. And uh, they have a variety of different things that they do to uh, share God's love with the people in Liberia and help lift them up out of... Uh, a difficult place to live and a, a lot of um, health issues that we don't deal with here, poverty issues we don't deal with here, safety issues in general that we don't deal with here. And so they're, they're showing God's love to the people in Liberia and we've been supporting them as a church and, and, and some of us as individuals as well. And so they're going to give us an update and, and uh, Peggy's going to share the word with us as well. So with that, uh, I'm going to have her come and take the service. Thanks, Peggy. I'm going to pray for you. Uh, dear Lord, we just thank you. Uh, we thank you for the work that Peggy and Mark have been able to do over the years in Liberia. We thank you for the strength and energy that you've given them. I ask that you'd continue to lift them up, um, give them wisdom and direction and how they move forward. And Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would be upon Peggy as she shares with us today and that we would uh, receive uh, encouragement and your word from her. In Jesus' name, amen. This week uh, marks 12 years since my first trip to Liberia. Um, and you can already go to the first slide. Um, and uh, it's caused me to just really reflect on the journey that I've been on. This, this is a picture taken from that very first trip to Liberia um, 12 years ago. And um, that very first trip was a huge challenge. On my first trip, I missed my connecting flight in Atlanta. I traveled internationally for the first time alone. I bribed an airport official upon arrival so that I could stay in the country. I lost my luggage that contained all of my clothes, so I had to borrow clothes from a friend the whole time I was there. I ate too much fresh pineapple. Do you know what happens if you eat too much <laughs> fresh pineapple? And I got sick on the only day that we were going to the bush where there are no bathrooms. And we got a flat tire while we were there. And so we waited hours for our driver to take the tire off the Jeep, go all the way to the nearest town, fix the tire, come all the way back before we could drive back um, to the main city. So after um, all of those things, there is no logical reason why I would ever <laughs> want to go back to Liberia again. But on that first trip to Liberia, something happened in me. Something came alive in me that I don't think I will ever really understand or be able to explain. Something that gave me the strength to endure breathtaking sorrow and heartbreaking betrayal and exhausting efforts when it seemed like we weren't making any impact at all. Why have I con continued this unusual journey. There was a popular song a number of years ago called The Path um, Less Taken or The Path, The Uncommon Life. And I really connected with that song because my life certainly does not look like the life that I had planned for it to be. Um, uh, yeah, I don't even know. How long am I supposed to go? Forever? Okay. Until I'm done. Okay. Um, 
When Mark and I first were matched with two little boys in Liberia, our dream was to adopt those little boys, have six kids, grow up in our family, and continue the life that we had started. And our life took a dramatic change of direction when one of those two little boys died. And that um, from his death, we raised money for a well to make a memorial there for him. And when I went to the village, nobody could read the inscription to the well. And so we're like, we need to start a school. Then Mark and I went back to Liberia and um, we were partnering with uh, Pastor Peter Flomo and Mark and Peter shared the gospel and all the villages we visited. No clean water, no school, no medical access. And I was so angry with God. <laughs> I'm like, God, why in the world are you allowing this to happen? Why in, is there a place in this world where, where kids are dying needlessly from dirty water and, and children never even have a chance to learn how to write their own name? And people are dying from what I always call stupid death. Stupid, stupid reasons to die. Like there are legitimate reasons to die that we can't solve, but there are things that we can do. Like we just had a little girl, well, she's not little, she's 15 now, but she was five when I met her. And, and she died of tetanus, Memorial Weekend, because her uncle thought that someone had put a curse on her. Instead of taking her to the clinic to get antibiotics, he called a witch doctor to come and do herbal treatment. And she died of tetanus. That led us to take our kids that are on our program to go get tetanus shots. Everybody went to the clinic to get tetanus shots because that's just a stupid reason to die. So after I was done with my ranting and raving with God, and I was finally done, quiet, and I said, God, you know, why, are, why don't you do something? And it was one of the few times in my life where I feel so clearly that God spoke to me and he said, I am doing something, Peggy. And I want to do it through you. I said, okay, then just tell me what to do. Because I have no experience in mission work. I had no experience working internationally. I have zero experience knowing cross-cultural communication at that point. And I said, God, if you want to do something through me, then you're going to have to show me what to do. Because I know I don't know what to do. You can go ahead to the next slide. That was all extra. Um, so I, you can see that even today, I still have that same passion in me that I had those years ago. These are pictures from um, my most recent trip to Liberia, the first two weeks of October. I was just there. And maybe some of the reasons that I'm still in it have changed. I'm sure they have, just like I've changed. But there is a reason that I still leave my family for a couple weeks, a few times a year, and travel to Liberia by myself on purpose <laughs> now. Um, endure heat, humidity, limited electricity, no running water, and terrible roads, along with other challenges. There are still plenty of places that have no bathrooms. Um, and the reason is because I believe that I am bringing the kingdom of God to people and places in Liberia. Are we on slide four? Uh, oh, wait, never mind. Yes, slide four. I believe that this is the good work that God prepared for me to do, as it says in Ephesians 2.10. And from the very beginning, a matter of fact, I was reflecting, my very first message I ever gave was on Ephesians 2.8-10. through 10. 
Because at that point, people were already starting to tell me, oh, you're doing something amazing. Wow, you must be an incredible person. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> and I can stand here. I, was, I actually was feeling really emotional this morning um, being here because of my history here and my story here. I was a kid here. I was a teenager here. I sat over there with all my friends. I, I prayed um, in the back room. I came to this altar many, many times. Um, many of you know who I am, and you can agree that <laughs> I am not a superhero. I'm just a regular person from a small rural community that God called. And uh, I firmly believe that God has prepared each one of us for the good works that he planned for us to do. And sometimes we want to just sit and criticize and complain about how terrible the world is. But the question is, how many of us have found the thing that we were created to do and are doing it? Because if we would, if we did, our world wouldn't look like it is right. it does right now. Jesus told us that the whole world we would know that we were his followers just by the way we loved one another. So if the world doesn't know who we are, then maybe we need to start thinking about how well are we really loving one another and is that part, am I part of the problem? Am I part of the problem? Can I be part of the solution? So I believe that this is the thing that God has called me to do. But recently, in the last couple of years, um, as Pastor Peter passed away in 2018, and um, I took a much greater leadership role in the um, vision and direction of Teamwork Africa, I've been really thinking about what does it mean, what, what are we doing? What are we trying to accomplish in Liberia? Why am I here? Why are you helping me do something in Liberia? And as I've thought about it, I keep, my mind keeps coming back to the kingdom of God. Um, and I've been thinking about what does the kingdom of God mean? And there are several things that the kingdom of God means. Um, the first thing we see is that the kingdom of God arrived with Jesus. Um, that's slide five. Um, John the Baptist announced that the kingdom of God is at hand. So we know that when Jesus came, the kingdom of God arrived. Um, next slide. Secondly, Jesus preaches that the kingdom of God has come near. This is from Mark 1.15. The time has come, he said, and the kingdom of God has come near. So repent and believe the good news. And finally, um, slide seven, uh, says that Jesus taught us also to pray that the kingdom of God would come. And I believe that Jesus gave us our reason when he taught our dis us disciples, when he taught them how to pray, he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And there's a very common um, literary technique in the Bible called a, a couplet, where you say one line and then you redefine it with the second line. And I wonder if that was, Jesus was saying, how would you know that God's kingdom had come? You would see God's will being done. And so, um, Slide eight summarizes that, um, I'm losing myself. Oh, we're already on eight, okay. Um, so that the kingdom is, came with Jesus, it's here. So it came, it's here, and it's coming. So it's here, it, it came, 
it's here and it's coming. So how do we live in light of that timeline of tension? And I think that if we, we look at um, Matthew 25 helps us to look at um, Jesus talking about what it meant to live in the kingdom. Yeah, go ahead. You can look up Matthew 25. I'm going to start at the beginning. There are two stories, um, actually three examples that Jesus gives about the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 25. And the first one is the story about the ten um, maidservants or the ten bridesmaids, depending on your translation. In verse 1 and 2, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them are wise. So um, next slide. Good. You're <laughs> good. I work in a good rhythm now. Um, the first story that Jesus talks about the kingdom says that we need to be ready. Living in the kingdom means that we're ready. The next story that Jesus tells about the kingdom, starting, um, I'm starting in verse 14, says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. So to live in the kingdom of heaven means that we are also responsible. And then um, Jesus makes a slight transition and he starts talking about, so now we know that those who live in the kingdom are ready and they're responsible, but who are these people? And Jesus transitions in Matthew um, 25, starting in 34, and he says, um, then the king said to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. So the third thing we know about those who are prepared for the kingdom is that they're, they're righteous. So we are ready, we're responsible, and we're also righteous. And Jesus described what is it that made those people that inherited the kingdom righteous. Jesus, because they were asking too, they're like, mm, what, what made us righteous? And he said, when I was hungry, also in 34, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. I was naked and you vis gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. I want to pause right here and be very careful that you don't understand the words that Jesus is saying. He is not saying that the people who did those things earned their salvation by the good things that they did. They didn't. They did these things because they were following the example of Jesus. They did the things that they saw Jesus doing. They were following his last and greatest command. Love one another as I have loved you. This is how the whole world will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It's from John 13, 34, and 35. When we, I, I love that verse, when Jesus looked at his disciples that night and said, love one another the way I loved you. Earlier um, in the Gospels, we see that Jesus, um, when someone asked him what the greatest commandment is, he said that it was to love God and to love your neighbor, and that summed up the whole law and the prophets. And that's true. But this night, Jesus is giving a new commandment which means, I mean, they already had 613 laws. They had plenty already. Everybody should have been paying attention when Jesus says, I got a new one for you, like they needed a new law. But Jesus was saying, no, all of those other things, I've got a much better way. And the way I want you to love now is 
now that you've spent the last three years with me, watching me touch the leper and, and protect the adulterer and eat with the tax collector. And Simon Peter, remember when I came into your boat and you told me to get away from you because you were a sinful man and I asked you to come and follow me? And, re, and each one of them had stories of how they knew that Jesus had loved them. So when Jesus said, I want you to love one another the same way I loved you. He brought a whole new dimension to what it meant to follow the way of Jesus. And these righteous people in the kingdom were following that example that they saw. Jesus told them, whenever you did this for the least of my brothers, you are doing it for me. Um, verse, uh, slide 12. So I wanna draw just a quick conclusion about what it means to live in the kingdom. We know that the kingdom of God is here. Even though the world looks so broken and there's so many hurting and angry people and there's so much division and tension, we know that through Jesus's life, death and resurrection, the kingdom of God is already here. Next slide. We can be part of it. Jesus encourages us to invite the kingdom to come and live inside of us so that we carry the kingdom of God wherever we go. Next slide. And when we live our lives with the prayer of your kingdom come, your will be done, we bring that kingdom with us to every person that we meet and all the places that we go. And that is the, the mission the vision of Teamwork Africa, to bring the kingdom of God into people and places in Liberia. And as I continue to learn how to love and lead in Liberia, I love the verse that Paul concludes in Acts 28, 31. He says that he's proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and, no, and without hindrance. So now I wanna to talk to you about the ways that Teamwork Africa is bringing the kingdom of God into people and places in Liberia. And probably the most dear to my heart is our Starfish Kids program. Um, Teamwork Africa, um, Mark and I, I went to Liberia the first time October um, 2010. Mark and I went together in March of 2011 and that's when Teamwork Africa started. And the very, very first church that we ever shared Teamwork Africa with is Bible Center Church. And we had just started the Starfish Kids program. And our kids, number three, four, and five, um, were sponsored by this church. That was um, Comfort Kirkula, Diane Kirkula, and Mercy Kirkula. And in the last couple of years, we actually lost touch with them because we had a transition in staff and we lost some of our contacts. And just a couple of years ago, we got back in touch with those girls. And when we had, a, um, and, and in reconnecting our sponsors with our donors, those girls are still sponsored by people in this church. Comfort Kirkula, Diane Kirkula, and Mercy Kirkula. And they're gonna finish high school. Uh, Comfort um, and Diane are in the same grade right now. I think they're either juniors or sophomores in high school. They were just little girls when I brought their pictures here for the first time. And I really wanted to bring their new picture. I just got new pictures of everybody when I was there in October, but I have not had time to like get them off the camera. And, but, um, but I'll be sending those soon. So I just, first of all, wanna say thank you so much. Um, 
for your faithful support of those children. And even though the Starfish Kids program has gone through several different transitions, all the donations to Starfish Kids have gone to help the kids that are in that program. Currently, our program focuses mostly on school scholarships. Right now, we have 150 plus, uh, there's a few more that got added while I was there in October, um, children that are receiving a scholarship this year. When I was there in October, we paid the first semester tuition for all those kids, even though they're not all sponsored. So I have between now and um, February to get the other half of the tuition <laughs> for all of our students. Um, the, we are asking right now for our sponsorship is $25 a month. And not only does that cover the tuition, but it also helps us with medical care, um, food support for families that are in really um, dire crisis and medical care. So if you are interested in sponsoring a kid, you can um, talk to me more after the service. I wanna tell you the story of Lomini. Lomini was about four years old when I met her. Um, I met her probably on either the first or second trip to Liberia. She was very noticeable because she had a, uh, an enlarged eye. And uh, a couple years after we met her, we were able to get her medical treatment, which actually um, ended up being the removal of her eye. But she was in our program for a really long time. Um, she actually ended up coming to our campus in, Liberia, uh, in Monrovia and attending the school that we started there. After Pastor Peter passed away, there's a lot of just um, conflict and just a lot of confusion. That's a better word for it. And uh, Lomini ended up going back to the village, um, and we lost touch with her. Um, for a couple of years, I didn't know where she was. She was about 11, 11-ish years old when I saw her last. So um, I went to the village, to the area where I knew she was from, and I asked the principal of the school that we were working with there. I said, do you know where Lomini went? He's like, I'll check. So a couple months, a uh, few weeks later after I got back, he called me and he said, I found Lomini. And I said, do you think her, her um, relatives will let us take her back to town so that she can continue her education. And so we sent a team of people to go talk with her family and make that arrangement. When they got there, they found out that Lomini had um, a two-month-old baby. And so my, our partner now with Teamwork Africa is Frances uh, Smo. And Frances said, oh, she must be rebellious now. You know, she's, you know, wayward. We need to just forget about her. And I said, I know Lomini. She's really shy. She's a really sweet little girl. I don't think she would have behaved that way. I said, please send somebody out to go find out what happened to Lomini. So when they went out and investigated, they found out that Lomini was one of the vulnerable girls in the village, which meant that nobody was protecting her from any type of abuse. And Lomini was a victim of that abuse, which resulted in the baby that she had. And her family agreed to let us take Lomini. You can go to the next slide and her beautiful little baby back with us. And she lives with Rosalind, who is our Starfish Kids coordinator. And I knew that the tradition in Liberia, because of my role in the life of Lomini and this baby, I would be asked to give this child a name. And the whole situation was so overwhelming to me. I was angry, I was sad, I was frustrated, and I just had all of these like, just negative, painful emotions. And the moment that Rosalind had me on a video call, of all things, um, and said, Sis Peggy, what are you going to name the baby? It just came out of my heart. We'll name her Mercy. God's mercy over Lomini's life and over the life of this baby. And you go to the next slide. This is Mercy and Lomini just recently. Lomini's back in school. She is going to start trauma counseling soon. 
And Mercy is 15 months old and she's walking now. I had to take a picture of her while she was sleeping because she's so well attached to her caregivers that she cries because she doesn't know me. I was trying to tell everybody that's such a healthy thing for kids. Good job taking care of her. But she's just one story of the lives that we're making a tremendous difference in in Liberia. Lomani's story has actually really inspired us to focus on trauma counseling and also start small groups for girls specifically to help teach them about their value and worth. I'll talk about that more. Oh, yeah, go ahead to the next slide. Comfort and Sarah are another um, set of sisters. They were orphaned um, very young. They lived with their um, aunt. And about two years ago, they um, got a hold of Rosalind and said, our aunt has left. She's gone off into the, to the farm to go try to, to uh, do some farming, to make business, to send money back to take care of us. And there's nobody here um, protecting us. We're vulnerable and we're scared. And so Rosalind and I were able to work together to find a, a bedroom. There was an older lady who had a three-bedroom house, and she was renting out the rooms in her house. And she rented out um, one of the rooms in that house for Comfort and Sarah to live there. The rent for that room was like $15 a month. That house provided Comfort and, uh, Comfort and Sarah protection. That house even had an indoor bathroom. Can you imagine where they were living before? There was nowhere for two teenage girls to take a bath in privacy. But because they were part of our, because they're part of our starfish program, because they're our kids, we were able to help them be safe and secure. Um, Comfort messages me almost every day. Um, maybe every other day lately, she, her, she's having some phone issues. She didn't know when the American Mother's Day was. It just happened to be on Mother's Day. She sent me a message that morning. She said, Sis Peggy, I thank God every day for you because before you were in my life, I felt like I didn't have a mother. But now I have you to be my mother. I believe God has a plan and a purpose for comfort in Sarah. He hasn't forgotten them. He knows their names. Alex. <sighs> On my 40th birthday, I was in Liberia. And for some people, like, maybe you have some kind of expectations about what your 40th birthday might be like. And I don't know if I did or not, but it certainly didn't go the way I thought it might. I ended up spending most of the day by myself on our campus. Um, everybody, all the other leaders were busy doing other things, and I was just in our office doing paperwork and reports. Except that a lady in our community brought six moms with special needs kids to come and see me that day. And I don't have any specialty or knowledge in that, in that area. And so each child came in with their mom, and I held that child in my lap, and I knew there was nothing that I could do to help that child, except pray for God's blessing and comfort for that child, and for courage and strength for that child's mom. And six times I held those children in my arms and prayed those prayers over them. That night, when I was laying down in bed, I was having a little bit of a pity party for myself because the day, it was my birthday, for goodness sakes, and I didn't have any cake, nobody sang for me, I didn't have a party, nothing. And I had that picture of, um, I had that story pop into my mind about the man who said that, um, who got the message from God that God, Jesus was gonna come and visit him on Christmas Day. 
But on Christmas Day, an old woman came, and a small child came, and, an, and a beggar came, and Jesus never came. And God spoke to that man. He said, three times I came to your house that day, and three times you welcomed me in. And God said to my heart, six times I came to you today, and six times you embraced me. I was with you on your birthday. And even then, so that was you know, a number of years ago, and I still haven't, hadn't figured out, like, I still don't have any knowledge or skills in helping kids with special needs, but this woman named Maud keeps bringing these children to me. So recently, we put the ladies who have these kids together in a small group, just for encouragement and support. And so there's a little boy there named Alex, and Alex has the brightest, most beautiful smile that I've ever seen. But Alex's grandma is really strained because Alex is seven years old now and she's not able to continue to carry him on her back. And she's really, really struggling to take care of him. So much so that about six months ago, um, the grandma's oldest daughter died. And they usually have like a funeral week. And so during the funeral week, Maud, who's my friend, had gone to the, to the funeral activities and asked the grandma, where is Alex? And the grandma had locked Alex in a room alone for three days without food or water. And Maud asked the grandma for the key and went and got Alex, took him home and bathed him and fed him and, you know, kind of brought him back to health. And it was just days before I went to Liberia in March and I begged Maud, I said, please don't send Alex back to his grandma until I get there. So we went to, you can go ahead to the next slide. We came to the meeting where all the people were there and Alex's uncle was at the meeting. And at this point, Alex is super smart. I, met, I think, I don't have a diagnosis, but I imagine that Alex has cerebral palsy. He doesn't have strong control over his body and he can't talk, but he understands everything. And when he saw his grandma, he was so mad at her, he wouldn't even look at her. But when he sees me, he lights up. So. Um, and her, his uncle asked us to please, please take Alex so that his mother would be relieved of her duties of taking care of him. And so um, this is no small endeavor. Special needs kids in Liberia have a stigma of having a curse on them. And if you have one of these children in your home, your whole household is considered cursed. So to find somebody willing to take a special needs child was a huge challenge for us. But <laughs> Given the situation, I felt like I had no choice but to say, yes, of course, we, we have to save Alex's life. And um, Maud had, she actually had, had, had a special needs child a number of years ago, and about six years ago, her son was actually adopted. So she knows how it feels to take care of a special needs kid. You can go to the next slide. Maud and her husband Charles agreed to take care of Alex. And you go to the next slide. And um, on my last trip, we were able to get Alex a wheelchair. Um, when I was just there recently, I actually got Alex a DVD player because he really likes watching cartoons too. And Maude is doing a fantastic job of taking care of Alex. But I can't do that, take care of Alex on my own. I depend on people whose hearts are moved with compassion to help me sponsor children like Alex. You can go ahead to the next slide. We are focused not only on sharing the love of Jesus with the children in our Starfish Kids program, but we also want them to become 
young adults who also follow Jesus. So we are creating youth development programs. You can go ahead to the next slide. Our girls program is called Inspire Girls, Girls of Strength and Purpose. Our girls program focuses on studying, right now they're studying the Gospels, and they meet with, uh, Rosalind has two groups of girls. Oh, I thought I was gonna put more pictures of her groups. Um, there are about 30 girls that meet. Um, she has a group on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and each group has about 30 girls in it. They read a portion of scripture, they break into small groups, they answer the questions, what does this scripture tell me about God? What does this scripture tell me about myself? Do I have any questions about the scriptures, or, is, um, and, or what do I like about the scripture, and what um, do I have a hard time with? So they write all these things down, and then they come back together as a large group, and they share everything that they have learned. And um, I just got videos this week, I didn't have a chance to download them, of the girls talking about how these Bible studies are helping them understand who God is and how God loves them. We also have a group for boys that is um, starting also. You can go ahead to the next slide. We are still doing our clean water projects. Um, we started with clean water and we're still doing that today. When I was in Liberia, we um, repaired 10 wells just in the last, just this month. Um, and we still, excuse me, as, we, as the funding comes in, we can do a, clean, a new well for $2,500 and we can do repairs from between $50 to $150 depending on what part of the well needs to be repaired. Um, we are partnering, Teamwork Africa in Oklahoma, you know, clear where we live, um, is um, partnering with the Rotary Club, and the Rotary Club's actually having a fundraiser for us in November, and um, those funds will be used for our clean water project. So I'm really excited about how that, we are still finding partners that are helping us with that project. Go ahead to the next slide. This was a pump at one of the churches. Um, that's Pastor James, he's a dear, dear friend of ours. You can go ahead to the next slide. Um, so, we have our Starfish Kids program where we're trying to mentor and disciple children and young people to become faithful followers of Jesus. And we also have a program that we call Village Transformation. I wrote Community Transformation on here. Um, community Transformation is about how we encourage people to develop uh, um, self-sustainability. We train community leaders and church leaders in understanding their own community assets. And instead of having the mentality of somebody else coming in and solving our problems, we teach people to sit down and say, how can we solve our own problems? Um, and we have been doing this for the last two years. You can go ahead to the next slide. This is one of the very first churches that we worked with um, is um, finished the program and they're doing some agriculture projects to help support the building of their church. And they also do community outreaches where the people who have been trained in this method go out and teach their neighbors um, all kinds of lessons. There's lessons about um, washing your hands, um, lessons about malaria. We teach a lot about preventative health because preventative health is a lot less expensive than curative health. So we, there's lessons on every topic that a community might have needs for. But we look to, after we train people, we ask them, what are you going to do next? Um, in the last year, we have been making a huge push on follow-up. So I'm one of our staff members in Liberia, um, every month it's his job to call every one of the people who've gone through our training and say, what, is, how, what are you doing with community transformation this month and how can we support and encourage you? And support and encouragement never, ever, ever, ever means money. It always means can we come and help you train? 
can we you know, attend and give you feedback? We are starting a program where if you, like um, our special needs families, they want to do a soap making project. So we're gonna buy all of the equipment that you need to make soap, and we will bring it to them on the day that they wanna make the soap. They'll make the soap and then we take the equipment with us so that other groups who wanna make soap can do it too. So we are really, really focusing on self-sustainability. Last slide. These are just some of the ways that Teamwork Africa is bringing the kingdom of God into people and places in Liberia. I didn't even put in here that we're in the middle of trying to plant a new church um, in Pelatama Village. Um, so that's brand new, and so um, I'm really, really excited. Our team will be going back to that village um, the third week of November and encouraging that church and working with that church and community transformation too. And I wanted to leave a little time for questions and answers, but I'm sure I'm probably past time. So if you have more questions or comments, uh, things that you want to share with me about Teamwork Africa or questions you have, I obviously love talking about Teamwork Africa, and I'm very passionate about how God is working in Liberia. So thank you so much for your time and your commitment um, and your faithful support of the ministry that we're doing there. Thank you for sharing, and uh, uh, we, you know, many are, uh, you know, we're all called to uh, go into the world, you know, and, and to, to bring the good news, uh, but some are sent to a further, further distances into remote areas, and so uh, as those are sent, then ho those who are behind, um, you know, are, are there to support. And there's a lot of uh, examples in the Bible of, of the, the disciples as they went, how they were supported and cared for by others. And, and so we're part of the mission uh, of Teamwork Africa. We help support them. And so um, it's really cool to be able to see, like, these are things that we're doing as a church. Like, we're, we're, we're not there, but we're supporting it. We're part of this, this mission. And so um, just kind of a, a really cool thing. Uh, to see uh, that that God's hand is is at work, and um, it's you know sometimes when we think about bringing the good news or sharing Christ with other people, you may not feel like I don't I don't have the words to say I don't know what to do how do I evangelize do I do I know enough scripture and you you may think of it as a bigger thing but when you look at the list of like how um, when Jesus was talking about um, about how we show love to, how we, how we show Christ to other people. You know, he's talking about clothing and feeding and caring for when they're sick and visiting when they, if you have a friend that, that runs into problems with the law, like don't, like even the, with this, this young girl, you know, like it was supposed that she was, you know, even if she would have fallen into some sort of moral dilemma to not push aside, but to, to still go and, you know, you know, go and reach out and show kindness to. And I think all of us know how to show love. We know how to see a need and find out how can we meet that need. And so um, just a, a really great reminder for us that we have, it's, it doesn't take a, a huge, vast amount of knowledge to, to be able to go and share Jesus with other people. It just needs, we just need to see a need and ask God, how can we help with that need? So um, we're going to be taking an offering uh, for Teamwork Africa. And so we're going to um, just pray for their, their ministry. And um, also, if you have any desire to be part of, 
of any of the Starfish Kids program um, or be a monthly donor, you could, you could uh, talk to them afterwards about how that goes. But uh, let's just pray for their, their ministry and for this offering. Lord, we just thank you for the work of Teamwork Africa. We thank you for these, especially I think of these children that are being reached, that, have, um, that are vulnerable, that need care. Lord, we just thank you that, um, that you sent someone to go and, uh, and make an impact and to be your hands and feet and uh, to take them from a place of vulnerability into a place of safety, uh, from a place where they didn't know what it was like to be loved to a place where they are experiencing your love. Uh, Lord, we just pray a blessing on this uh, offering and the funds that come in that you would use it to your work, um, that you would use it not just not just to feed the, the physical, Lord, but that there, that the spirit, the soul would be um, brought to new life in you. And we just, uh, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name.